Hey there, friends, and welcome to Rewoke, Rewriting Our Kids Education Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Person, and friends, we are on a journey. We are rethinking, reexamining, and reeducating ourselves and our children. Virtual learning has received a lot of attention in the last year and a half. It's almost as if this approach to learning appeared out of thin air. But I can assure you that people have been navigating online learning for almost two decades now, far before the concept was shoved into the spotlight two years ago at the height of the pandemic. So what is virtual learning? Is it right for your family? We are going to dig into that topic today with our guest, associate professor and adjunct English instructor at Southern New Hampshire University, Megan Hall. Megan has been working in the virtual space for almost as long as it's been an educational option, and she's going to share with us what she has learned. Former Stanford professor and founder of Coursera, a popular online education platform, Daphne Kohler said that education can serve two goals. For students lucky enough to have access to great teachers, blended learning can mean even better outcomes at a lower cost. And for the millions here and abroad who lack access to good in-person education, online learning can open doors that would otherwise remain closed. Is virtual learning the platform of the future? Or is it too problematic to ever impact students in a positive way? And oh yeah, are you woke? much for being here with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about this. Yes, yes. So before we dive deep into the conversation about virtual schools and classrooms, can you give our our audience a little bit of background about um, how you came to be kind of an expert on this topic? Absolutely. So um, when I first got out of school, I actually um, started in working in pre-k and I did um I taught preschool and I did the before and after school and um summer like enrichment programs Mm -hmm. and then um at a certain point I was like I got to work with older students (laughs) so I went back to school got my graduate degree and I've been a college professor for 15 years um and I been teaching online for about nine or 10 years. So uh, long before COVID, right, right, right. <laughs> which is kind of when uh, the uptick and in interest in it exploded. But I basically got started because at the time, not now, but at the time, I was kind of one of the younger professors at my school. Um, and I just felt much more comfortable with technology. I had taken some online courses. And so um, my school had some training and took the training and got certified to teach online and um all of that kind of stuff and and now everybody's teaching online <laughs> so funny yeah. to say that because I remember so my journey to the online first of all I want parents to understand that online learning has been around for years uh yeah. you know at, at minimum I would venture to say I remember um when I came out of undergrad and um I knew a, a friend of mine and I'm like she while we were 
I did a program taught Teach for America. Teach for America was a program where you 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 did not go to school to be a teacher. You agree to do a um a couple a couple years in a, a under resourced school, and you have to take classes to learn how to be a teacher while you're teaching, um, so that you can um you know adequately service your population and get your license and all of that. And I remember a friend of mine who was in that program with me simultaneously was um was getting her master's degree and i remember saying to her how in the world are you doing it? where do you find the time how are you going to class three days a week and she's like well it's online i'm like what do you mean it's online she's like like i go to class when i can fit it in like it's like i just log in and i'm like online like who who's gonna get an online degree that's this was back in 2000 so i'm like oh nobody's gonna do that that's gonna be nobody's gonna respect that piece of paper yeah, fast forward 20 some odd years, I also have a degree from an online institution in my master's, which allowed me to become a principal what, that I did a very good job with my online degree for um, <laughs> for very for, for many years. And I, I did everything online in, in virtual classrooms. And so I just want parents to understand that, yes, for most of our elementary age parents and our um, and our high school age kids, the, the onslaught of online education, virtual education came because of COVID. We all got a crash course in, in, in virtual classrooms, um, you know, when the school shut down. But I need people to understand that this is not a new phenomenon and it's been going on successfully for a very long time. So why don't you, to, to, to go from right off of that, tell us exactly what a virtual classroom is and your experience and what you've done. What is a virtual classroom? Yeah, it's it's interesting because there are a lot of different types and I'll kind of break those down. But essentially, it's any learning environment where all or part of the learning takes place in a virtual space. Mm -hmm. So for what you were talking about as you were speaking, Michelle, I was like, yes, I actually. So one of my first online courses um, was a synchronous course in my undergrad years where we went into the classroom, but we had a screen in front of us and the professor was at a different college. Oh, wow. And, and then all of our assignments were online. Um, so that there are things like that, you know, that have been going on for a long time, but um, typically for most schools, we use what's called a learning management system. So that's an LMS. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the course is kind of housed online. So think about like a website, but private that you can only get to by entering, um, you know, your, your information and that kind of thing. And they're, they're typically structured the same way. They have, you know, a homepage for each class that you're enrolled in. And um, they have places where you can have, you know, online discussions, online assignments, that kind of thing. Um, but there are, even within that, a, a, a number of different types. So synchronous classes meet in real time. Okay. Um, so kind of like we're doing now. <laughs> some of them use something like Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Some of them have uh, a thing kind of built right into the learning management system where the instructor can see and talk to the students. So even though they're not in the same space, they're all able to interact in real time. Um, then we have asynchronous courses, and those are probably the ones that you took and the ones that, that I took for the most part. Those are not in real time, so all of the materials are up online. 
the professor might or the teacher might have office hours where they can be contacted, but for the most part, the student is doing the work um, on their own according to their own kind of personal schedule. Mm -hmm. And then what's really interesting to me too um, is that we also have informal virtual classrooms as well. So these are kind of outside the school system. And what I've found is a lot of parents who homeschool use these situations for like enrichment purposes or tutoring. So it's things like um, Udemy, Teachable, Skillshare, um, YouTube even. Um, and then there, mm-hmm. yeah. And then there are um, things um, that are called MOOCs. Um, <laughs> which are massive open online courses. And um, those are offered through places like Coursera where you can enroll and do the work asynchronously and earn like a certificate. Can enroll and earn things like a certificate or you can just, you know, as an adult or typically like a high school kid, you can just go into that class if it's something you're interested in. So I know kids who do things like photography, graphic art design, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Yeah. Well, there's basically a ton of options. And it's funny, like I, I, I have, yes, I did asynchronous. And my daughter is actually taking as part of her high school experience, she takes some college courses, um, you know, right now, and she's been doing them primarily online. And I remember, what I have noticed personally, myself, is a rise in the synchronous learning, a, a, as opposed mm-hmm. to the asynchronous. So it was just funny story, like she was, she was, upstairs one day and I'm like, you know, um, you know, calling her, uh, you, cause she was like, I'm working. And she like, you know, she, she was like, I'm working mom. I'm about, she basically said, mom, I'm about to go do, I'm about to, after I finish the dishes, I'm going to go to work on my classwork or whatever. And I'm like, fine, whatever. To me, that meant you're about to go to log in discussion board, you know, write a post, whatever. So of course I go upstairs thinking that's what she's doing. And I like burst into her room and I'm like, Hey, the dishes, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, mom, she's like, she's like, I told you I was about to go to, go to class. I'm like, okay. So like, like you're, all you're doing is she's like, mom, and she turns the computer around and I'm like, oops, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, like, you know, so like I, she was literally in a class, um, yeah. in my mind, online learning meant you just logged in and you read some stuff and you type some stuff and now yeah that's not exactly how it always works so yeah they're different there are lots of different options and I definitely made a fool out of myself and I felt very embarrassed in front of her whole class because they were there online with her um, no don't feel embarrassed I will say too a lot of students are confused about you know which type they're even enrolled in sometimes and we also um, a lot of schools have hybrid classes as well. Sometimes those are part synchronous and part asynchronous. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the hybrid courses are part online and part in person. So the nice thing is that there's a lot of options, but navigating and figuring out which option is right for you, that can kind of be the difficult piece. And, and, and it's so funny that you say that because my next question was about like, there are parents who swear by virtual learning. They've, they've tried it. They love it. And there are parents who like are like, oh, this was not for us. And so I, I guess my next question is, what are some limitations of the virtual classroom? And, and how can parents who, if we ever, God, please help us know, have to do a situation where it's not an option? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, for whatever reason, your, your child is in a situation where they have to do virtual, virtual learning. What are the limitations and how can parents try to, um, address some of those limitations so that their child can still be successful? Yeah, that's a great question. My, 
my number one, my biggest warning, <laughs> this is my number one tip is from a, from a teacher's standpoint and looking at things like pedagogically, I think that the, the programs that are a hundred percent synchronous and, um, there are, I won't name them, but they're usually for K to 12 students, like kindergarten through, through, um, high school. If they're a hundred percent synchronous, it really causes a lot of problems from what I've seen, because, you know, a lot of us during COVID got zoom fatigue because we had meeting after meeting after meeting. Now I did it cause I teach. <laughs> so I had some like this and some asynchronous and, um, I missed the in-person, but, um, for me it wasn't, but my husband would be like exhausted, you know, and, and that's just three hours of meetings, but you don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's best practices to sit a kid in front of a computer for eight hours. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that a lot of those programs, parents sign up for them kind of not really realizing that because they're free um, because the program gets money um, like school tax money, right? right. The way right. that if you were enrolled in public school, but then you have to have what's called equivalent seat time. So they have to be in front of the instructor for an equivalent number of hours. So I what that. I recommend, yeah. So what I recommend is that um, if you're going to homeschool that you, um, or if you're even looking for like summer tutoring or, you know, looking into virtual classes that you think about getting something like a curriculum um, or a homeschool co-op. And then you can use the virtual classroom as like an addition. Yeah. So I know a lot of parents, for example, one of my friends right now has a high schooler where they were doing curriculum with them and all of that worked really well, uh, except for math. <laughs> he really needed more help with math and his mom didn't feel really confident, right? So she enrolled him in a math course. Um, I have another friend who um, it's kind of the opposite situation. Her daughter is really far ahead in English um, and history. So she can take just the virtual classes um, for those where she's ahead of what the curriculum's giving her. Um, but screen fatigue is a real is a real thing. I think some of the other disadvantages, um, if you if you if you leave in, you could hear my dog in the background. <laughs> um, so sometimes distractions like that um, while you're at home. But the synchronous if you have a student who's involved in a lot of things, the synchronous could be a disadvantage because it's a set schedule. Mm -hmm. um, there's on-camera time. Um, when I teach synchronous classes, I, I talk to students ahead of time about the fact that um, they have to have really good, stable internet. Mm. And if you live in a rural area, you might not have that. Um, I, I, I have some issues with it myself. I'm kind of, um, despite the nerdy decor behind me, I'm uh, in like a farmhouse. So the other thing in terms of like things for parents to know is that sometimes synchronous classes, um, I've seen some behavioral issues in those, mm. meaning like the instructor will break people out into groups they can't be in every group all at the same time. Um, but 
is that any different from a regular classroom? Correct. Probably, Correct. probably not. Um, uh, then with asynchronous, some of the disadvantages there are there's less interaction and less direct support from faculty. So if you have a student who is struggling, um, you know, and they have a teacher who sets up a discussion board but doesn't really participate in it, um, or they, they kind of feel like they need the face-to-face -face time, they're not going to get you know, they're not going to get that kind of support. Um, with hybrid classes, <laughs> the, the disadvantage that some of my students say to a hybrid class is that they feel like it's the worst of both. Like there's not <laughs> enough face-to-face -face time. There's not enough flexibility. Um, but it really um, depends on the, the student, you know, and those informal, the informal that I talked about before, there's really a lack of schedule. So I think those are really better for adult learners or really self-driven high schoolers. Like okay. they're really passionate about a subject um, because there are really no interactions in a, in a MOOC class. Mm -hmm. um, you have no interactions and it's totally self-directed. So you mm -hmm. could take a MOOC and do it in two weeks or do it in 12, um, just depending on how you, you know, how you feel like it. Yeah. So, yeah. The okay. disadvantages are sometimes the opposite, you know. <laughs> well, that like that's that's perfect because my next question is like so for all those bad things for the fact that it, it it you know synchronous doesn't allow for as much flexibility as you might think, and then the asynchronous doesn't give you that face time, and then there's the issues when you're trying to be synchronous and do a breakout room. Mm -hmm. The internet connectivity, I can't like that was such a real thing for a lot of the families that I worked with, like. Parents were really trying, but it, your the, your online learning experience is only going to be as good as your internet connection. And like you, um, for part of my time during the pandemic, I was the principal of a school that was in a rural area. And so some of the kids who live closer to town had strong internet connections, but some of our families who lived really far out um, in this town... They were like, I don't know what to do. Like, I we don't have a strict yeah. signal. My child is dying to interact, and and you know what? And it was really, really hard. So those are all, I those are all real things. Um, but then there are some good things. You know, there are some benefits. So what are some of the benefits of the virtual classroom? The the biggest benefit really is the flexibility of time and location. Um, I've had people who. Um, travel for work. I have one student who's a traveling nurse um, and she's able to do her homework and her assignments, whatever state she's in, um, wherever she happens to be. So she doesn't have to be in the brick and mortar building. I actually had a student, I feel bad because I thought he was kind of making it up. Um, I get some crazy stories from students sometimes. And he said this thing to me, um, I haven't been in class for the first two weeks because I'm training for the Olympics. And I was like, but are you? <laughs> and it turned out that when I finally got in contact with him, yes, he was actually training for the Olympics. And we switched. We were, I was like, why would you sign up for an in-person class? So we worked to get him switched into the virtual and then he could just do all of his assignments and keep up in between that crazy, you know, five hour. That is training so regimen. I had a student who was in who was when we went with virtual, like she was still she was a, a, her. She was an ice skater. Um, and her parents had a whole plan. And their goal was to get this baby into their goal. Their sites were 2028. 20, or, or well, 2020, mm -hmm. it can't be 2024. I don't know. Whatever it was, they had to, and they went, we lived in Southern Ohio and they drove this baby every day to um, 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 Kentucky 
ironically mm. that's where a great ice skating coaching is Kentucky yeah um but they drove this baby every day to to Kentucky because their their goal is she wanted to try out for the Olympic trials that was her goal and mm-hmm. and being in school just obviously like when you have a two-hour commute there and a two-hour commute back and you're doing it three days a week it just didn't work she had to switch to a different yeah. program so that flexibility is huge so I've yeah. seen it really is. I also, a friend of mine, her daughter has a, a disability and before COVID, the disability was really keeping her out of school for long periods of time. And they were thinking about homeschooling, but this is a single mom, um, a, a very young widow, and um, they just couldn't couldn't figure out a way to do it. And once COVID hit, her school offered some virtual options and it was so much better for her mm. because she could just be at home and not have, you know, stress sometimes affects disability. And the stress was making her, you know, her her things kind of flare up. So it really worked better. Um, some of the be- other benefits of the synchronous is that students do get the face-to-face time. So if they want direct instruction, um, interaction with their peers, that kind of thing, um, you know, less it's a little less writing to keep up with the asynchronous people think it'll be easier, but it's a lot of writing a lot of times um, and a lot of reading. So if they want the direct instruction and if that's kind of how they thrive, um, they can do really well with synchronous classroom. I've seen these work well for younger students or people who struggle with, you know, certain subjects, like I kind of mentioned before the asynchronous is a lot more flexible um, it's really the benefit there too, besides just time is the, the ability for people to go at their own pace. So if you have a student who's really proficient in a subject or, um, they, or they need a little extra time, you can like work ahead or you can work with the instructor to kind of take extra time or just on your own, you know, you maybe have a week to do an assignment, um, as opposed to a synchronous where you might have an assignment like every two days or every three days. Mm-hmm. So it can kind of work for people. Um, and the informal situations are really useful for extra help. Things like Khan Academy, they have self-paced um, open classes for math. Um, the other the other nice thing about a lot of these virtual classrooms is that There's a real push right now for something called OER, which Mm -hmm. is Open Educational Resources. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of online classrooms will use Open Educational Resources instead of traditional textbooks. Mm -hmm. So for parents who have college-age kids especially, you know, a lot of times K-12, we're used to, you know, kids get a book in class. They're given one and they give it back at the end of the year. And many students, when they first come to college don't know how much textbooks are going to cost. So you can check because some schools don't have it and some classes don't have it. Um, for instance, like I teach a literature course right now. I'm, I'm going to be doing um, women's memoir. None of those books are, those books are still copyrighted. Mm-hmm. So those they have to buy. But for my introduction to literature class, we're looking at like older short stories, poems, plays, so they don't need to buy anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like a book that I give them that I've set up together, like class materials, right? PDF, and I give it to them for free and that kind of thing. Um, so that's another benefit as well. Yeah, so the the free materials as well, if that's something that, teachers offer is another another good benefit 
It's awesome. Well, do you have any suggestions or, uh, or tips or resources for parents who are, you know, considering exploring uh, virtual schooling for their, for their little one or medium-sized yeah, one? Yeah, the first thing is to kind of talk to your kid and understand because some some kids really want to do online learning and they really love it and they thrive in that environment. I know a couple kids where um, I know one who has pretty severe ADHD and the online learning is like he's all about tech, right? He's like 12 and all about tech. So he loves being in the virtual classroom and interacting with some of the tools and, you know, um, some of the courses are gamified and that kind of thing. Um, I've known other students where they do just asynchronous and they feel really isolated. They feel like they're kind of learning on their own. Um, so it kind of depends on how your kid learn. My, I have one friend who has one of her one of her kids is in online learning and one is not mm -hmm. because that's just you know just how they how they liked it um another tip is to find out about the software so the hardware and the software what kind of internet do you connection do you need um what kind of learning environment do they have and a good question to ask and just most schools are set up this way, but just to double check, um, ask about privacy online and ask about FERPA. FERPA is the Federal Education Right to Privacy Act. Mm -hmm. And some classrooms, right when COVID first hit, were looking for anything, right? <laughs> to be able to use anything to reach their students. And what ended up happening is that they were using things like Google Docs, um, but those are not really secure enough under the federal guidelines. So now Google has like workspace for education fundamentals because right. they've set that up. But um, things like like a MOOC or um, uh, online classes, they some of them might not have those. So if you're worried about privacy, it's just something to kind of think about. Um, another question is just what works for your family? Do you, do you want something that's more flexible because you're going to be using it as a supplement for homeschool or you're going to be traveling a lot? Um, maybe you decided to take a year and travel in an RV. I, I wouldn't with gas prices, but maybe other people have, um, those kind of things. And, um, Find out if you want to do everything completely online or, again, just supplement for certain courses. Um, maybe you're, you have a kid where they've gone beyond math further than, than what's available at their, their high school and they need an online calculus class. Um, or they, they already knew Spanish and they want to take an advanced <laughs> Spanish course or AP chemistry or whatever the, cla whatever the class might be. Um, the, the fourth question is, how much interaction and guidance do you want? Um, are your your kids quick learners or do they want um, more guidance? Do they want less? And the last one, and this is kind of like, I guess, the biggest thing. Um, if you're choosing, if you've figured out kind of what type of online virtual class you want, um, and you're looking for like maybe specific teachers or specific programs, I would ask about um, how they how they give material, so how they're presenting material, and then how they're giving feedback. Because for me, for example, um, 
Our learning management system has almost all the materials. I use OER. I give a lot of different types of things. So some journals and some discussion forums, sometimes peer review, quizzes, those kind of things. I have a lot of audiovisual materials, um, announcements every week to kind of keep them on track, and a lot of feedback, right? So cor good course design. Um, but I know other people where they've taken an online class and there's like, two tests. Everything is just text-based. It's like a, a Word document that just has all the instructor's notes. Um, there's a discussion board, but the instructor doesn't participate. Um, my husband just took a class where his assignments were all given a check, a check plus or a check minus. And it wasn't until the last paper that he actually got feedback from the gotcha. teacher and he was so frustrated. Mm -hmm. So I think all of those things are are good questions to good questions to ask. Those are my those are my tips. I think that yeah. was a lot of information and I think that that for parents who are trying to figure out and navigate, I think you gave them a lot to think about. Um, so Megan, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today and kind of helping us understand like this new world of education and like whether or not it can work for your ki our kids and whether or not it's something to consider. Um, it, it, it was eye opening. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me, Michelle. I really appreciate it. No problem. So to recap, the pros of virtual learning include flexibility and learning tailored to the needs of the students. Some of the cons, rigidity, if you choose a 100% synchronous program, and isolation, if you choose a 100% asynchronous program. Only you and your child can determine which model works for your family. Thank you again to our guest, Megan Hall, and thank you for listening. Show notes and resources to the things we discussed are available on our website, www.justlikemepresents.com. Share this podcast with other parents and educators in your circle, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard, leave us a review. Reviews help others discover our show and begin their woke journey. Have a great week, and remember, if our children can see it, they can achieve it. Mm -hmm.